Today on Let Me Be Frank, Bishop Caggiano is talking about three important Sundays in June. Pentecost, the Solemnity of the Most Holy Trinity, and the Solemnity of Corpus Christi. In the second segment, we have a discussion on Queen Elizabeth. And also, we ended up touching on uh, plans for this upcoming summer. Stay tuned. We are on your radio at 1350 AM and 103.9 FM, or on your phone with the Veritas mobile app. You can get the app at the Apple App Store, the Google Play Store, or at VeritasCatholic.com. Let Me Be Frank is brought to you by a grant from Foundations in Faith. Foundations in Faith embraces innovative approaches to funding pastoral care programs in the Diocese of Bridgeport. Resources focus on energizing lifelong faith formation and discipleship and fostering a commitment to justice and accompaniment with our most vulnerable. From seminarians to retired priests, from baptism to last rites, from suburbs to inner cities, the reach is broad and the impact is meaningful. For more information, visit them on the web at foundationsinfaith.org. Hey everybody, this is Let Me Be Frank on the Veritas Catholic Network. I am Steve Lee, and it is my great pleasure as always to introduce Bishop Frank Caggiano. Hello, Steve. It's good to be with you again. Hey, Excellency. Nice to be with you. So we have a, uh, a packed show planned for today. Um, we do? <laughs> I have a packed show planned for today. I guess I'll let you know about it. <laughs> If if it's okay with you, yes, I'd like, we do. I was just teasing you. Of course, yes. we do. <laughs> um, so I guess let's start with uh, some of these important Sundays that we have here in June. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. before we get into the specific Sundays, if you don't mind, I'd just like to point out that whatever the secular world wants to name this month, for us Catholics, this is the month of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Yes, without a doubt. Sacred Heart. But I have a question to ask you before we get into that. Yeah. What is your favorite month of the year and why? Oh, my goodness. I think my favorite season of the year, I think, matches up with yours, which is the fall. Mm-hmm. But I actually mm-hmm. think my, if I could pick two favorite months, they would be... <laughs> okay. Well, you know what? I'm probably going to get in trouble for this. But June and July. Because June we have the NBA playoffs and July we have the Tour de France. Oh, you? Oh, really? I would never <laughs> have guessed that. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. You see, of course, for me it's December, okay. because mm-hmm. if I could just stretch December into the last days of November, from Thanksgiving to New Year's is my favorite time, because it's holiday time. I I love the winter. I love I love all that. But my second favorite, which I'm going to cheat like you cheated, and I'm going to put May and June together. Uh-huh. And that is also a, 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 one of my favorite times because of the, the holidays we celebrate, both the civil ones, the secular ones, and most especially the religious ones. Mm. So like Mother's Day and Father's Day, they were always big deals growing up for obvious reasons. And June, of course, is almost always Father's Day, right? It's the third Sunday of June, right? And as you say, depending on how the calendar lands with Easter, the three Sundays that mark the end of the Easter season, but they are special solemnities, all right, that mark the Sundays when we resume ordinary time, which we will resume, right? We've resumed in the 10th week of ordinary yes. time, in the weekdays, but we still have the three Sundays, right? So we have, we, have, we have Pentecost Sunday, we have Holy Trinity, and we have Corpus Christi, 
Yes. So, of course, Corpus Christi on the universal calendar is a Thursday, and we move it in the United States to Sunday, right? So, um, let's talk about Pentecost. Yeah. What's your take? <laughs> I never heard of it in my whole life. What would you say? <laughs> I would, would say, say, I would say, uh, this is the birthday of the church, because. Um, mm-hmm. On this day, the apostles plus some others were in the upper room, hiding and scared, um, but the Holy Spirit dis- descended upon them and, mm-hmm. and empowered them um, to go out and, uh, and, and preach the kerygma, which Peter mm-hmm. did mm-hmm. and converted thousands on the spot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. Right. For me, as I've grown older, Pentecost has become more and more associated with our own individual salvation. Because Easter is the victory of the Lord over sin and death. But the victory that Christ won in himself does not get applied to me without the power of the Holy Spirit. So you've often heard me say, What Christ enjoyed by nature, being God, made man, we enjoy by adoption through the grace of baptism, which is only possible in the Holy Spirit. So everything that is outlined in the great drama of salvation in the Gospels, all those gifts and charisms and the gift or the offer of eternal life would not be given to us without the Holy Spirit. So in a sense, it balances what you said because I would have said, and I still say, that one of the great gifts of Pentecost is the birth of the church, when the Holy Spirit came down upon the apostles. And I sometimes mention that my confirmation homilies and the scriptures and the Acts of the Apostles speaks of the tongues of fire, right, over the heads of the apostles. As, as, as it's signifying the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, right? They became temples of the Holy Spirit. But in fact, in addition to that, every single one of them had the re- they received, like you and I received, the gift, the fruits of Jesus' incarnation and the gift of redemption in him. Right? So it, that is an astonishing thing when you think of it. And the Spirit continues to dwell. So even though the Lord is not physically here, Even in his glorified presence, he does not manifest himself to us so we could see him and touch him and hear him in our physical corporeal reality. Even though in the earliest days he did until the ascension. But 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 the Holy Spirit, which the Father and the Son send, is here all the time. So, you know, when I was growing up, when I was very young, you know, the charismatic renewal was basically being born, and I did not quite understand it. And quite frankly, as a young boy in an Italian-American home, which was very traditional, I looked at it as kind of like, it was a little odd. But, but the older I get, the more I appreciate it. Because that, that ecstasy and joy and the, and the outpouring of the gifts, is just, it, it, it's as close of a manifestation that you could see with your own eyes that the Spirit is here, and that we are redeemed in Christ. We are saved in Christ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
and, and it beckons the other question then, Pentecost, and that is, if Jesus is not my savior, then who cares whether the Holy Spirit came or not? <laughs> Was that blunt enough? Was that frank enough? <laughs> Right? But precisely because he's my savior, the gift of the Holy Spirit is essential. It's divine. It's priceless. So in a sense, the community that's formed, just as you said, 100% correct, which is exactly what Pentecost, is a community of the redeemed, the ones being called to eternal life in Christ. And I guess the older I get, the more I appreciate that on a personal level. And you know, not to get morbid, but I mean, if nature runs its course, the older you get, the more you begin to look at your life as a whole, right? Yes. And all that has happened. When you're young, you're kind of happy-go-lucky. You just kind of like do your thing. And, and rightfully so, because that's the season of your life. But as you grow older, you begin to see your whole life. You begin to see the blessings. You begin to see the lines written through your life. Don't you see that now? Mm-hmm. Like when I examine my conscience or I have those moments when I'm just sitting around like summer be perfect time Tanqueray tan and tonic okay (laughs) on vacation time (laughs) sitting in my lounge chair in the backyard and you just kind of get lost in your thoughts you do that right and I love it you know people go to Hawaii I go to my little lounge chair I'm very happy and I just kind of like you get lost and the memories you have and you begin to see connections you never saw before because I guess it's like a canvas. Our lives, we paint the canvas for as long the time God gives us. And it becomes, in some sense, clearer as more time passes, right? And you begin to see things and learn things about yourself and the effects of our life become amplified as we grow older. We see what has happened. And all through it, every single pigment on that canvas Every single line drawn from the beginning, everything that has happened from there is in the power of the Holy Spirit. So I think Pentecost is something everybody should be celebrating like with all their enthusiasm. So much so that we do the extended vigil now for Pentecost and I celebrate it at the cathedral. So it's, it's similar to the Easter Vigil. That is, it's, it's on the night of entering into the Pentecost uh, celebration, I was to say festival, celebration. And there are um, multiple readings, plus the epistle, plus the gospel. And the multiple readings we celebrate in Bridgeport in different languages, because that's another gift of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's the gift of tongues, and of course, in the gift of tongues that we've spoken about is the, is the groanings of the spirit that may seem um, almost incomprehensible to the cognitive mind, but to the affective aspect, they do speak to us and the, Lord, and the spirit communicates to us without words, ultimately is what it, what it is, without words. Um, but we do it in different languages because we're celebrating what you said, which is, this is the birthday of the church. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so what um, actually happens at the extended vigil that doesn't happen at the at the normal? What would happen is that instead of having three readings, there are four, five, six readings. So there's three additional readings. 
and it is a, a, a version of the narration of salvation history, but moving towards the gift of the church. But what I like about it is that it is a vigil. So you're there for a period of time of scripture and song and reflection, which is what the Easter vigil is. It's meant to break the ordinary routine and say, yeah, Pentecost is a big deal. Yeah. Like Easter is a big deal. And we do it somewhat analogously to draw the connection between the two. Because in the end, if I could put it this way, and this is very loose theologically, okay? So uh, hopefully I won't go on trial here, but I mean, <laughs> Easter is the celebration of the victory over sin and death for Christ. Pentecost is the celebration of vict our victory over sin and death, our victory in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. So it completes, that's why it completes the Easter season. Now Easter is mine, is yours in the Holy Spirit. Cool. Is that a great, that's, and, and, yeah, and therefore the 50 days are one day, there's one celebration. But now we're different, right? Gosh, we're different. Yeah, yeah. Now imagine if every Christian were on fire with just that basic insight, how things would be different, look different, act different. Mm -hmm. Right. And, mm -hmm. and then because we're now different, we have a, a definite mission that we need to go out and, and fulfill. And, and a unique destiny. So what is the seminal revelation in ascension? The ascension of the Lord. To answer that question, one has to say, well, what is essentially different from when the Lord returns to glory that he did not have when the Lord was eternally in glory before entering into creation? And that is that humanity, his humanity, his perfect humanity, is in the life of God. Mm. Now, let's think about that for a second. Let it marinate, marinate in our minds. What does that really mean? That one like us, in all things but sin, is in the life of God. Humanity is in the life of God. I mean, we talk about Psalm 8, where the highest of all creation made little less than the God in the New Translation, a little less than the angels. But, but, and therefore, Pentecost, with the gift of the Spirit, the path is open that as Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father, there's a place for us in the life of God in heaven. Yeah. There's a throne waiting for you and me and the people we love, and all have gone before us. Okay, figuratively. But there's a place there where we will be together, aware of each other, okay? But always with our minds and hearts fixed on the Lord who is fulfilling us, the deep restlessness that we have. I mean, we've all glimpsed those moments of fulfillment, those moments of joy, even moments of ecstasy. Could you imagine doing that for all eternity? <laughs> So what animated the martyrs? This. What animated the martyrs is the gift of Pentecost. Yeah. So are we not praying for a new Pentecost in the church? Why? 
because that's where the, the zeal, the fervor, the mission, the discipleship, the fire is going to come from. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Pentecost, as I've grown older, has gone way up in the scale. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, you think about the way society is so hostile to uh, Christianity today. And then you look at... Um, in the upper room when the apostles took inventory and they had zero theologians, they had zero church buildings or institutions or schools, yeah, they had correct, no written correct, gospels. Correct, correct. They had 11 bishops and they had the Holy Spirit. Right, right, right. And they couldn't agree. <laughs> and some things have not changed in 2,000 years. Okay? <laughs> That's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> It's a whole nother podcast. Uh, but, 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 you see, but, but the point is this. I think when it comes to the reality of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, I think Pentecost has one other aspect, and that it affirms the dignity of, of humanity. For the ascension The ascension allowed the perfect, sinless humanity of Jesus to enter into the very life of God when he assumed his divine glory, which was his right from the beginning of all things, before anything existed, for all eternity. It is who he is. But now suddenly Pentecost, through the gift of the Holy Spirit, allows us to inherit a promise that we too might be in glory. So we talk about human dignity. We talk about the precious value of human life, unborn life, elderly life, immigrant life, young life. You see it here. It's in the gift of the Holy Spirit too. I mean, my goodness. Why wouldn't everybody be shouting from the, from the rooftops? Yeah. Hmm? yeah. And... That leads us to the feast of the Most Holy Trinity. Yes. Right? Yeah, which I I don't think many people really know about that, or that much about that solemnity anyway. No, no, and they don't because um, we don't often allude to it. And we don't often allude to it, even though every time we pray, we sign ourselves with the, the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? But because it is so difficult a concept to understand cognitively that we just many times do not force ourselves to sit in the concept and the, in the revelation and just simply don't try to explain it. Just sit with it. Let the mystery stay before you. Because one plus one plus one does not equal one in math. <laughs> right. But in our faith, one plus one plus one, that is three, equals one. And the, as I've said many times, the, the seminal insight here that everyone has to understand is that love demands more than one. And in the case of the Trinity, when we say God is love, then the Father and the Son, who perfectly love each other, 
empty themselves out, the love they share is another person, the divine person of the Holy Spirit. Why is that important? Back to Pentecost, because it's the spirit they both send that is kind of like the line, the fishing line that grabs us and brings us into their life. So the, the, the solemnity of the Most Holy Trinity could simply be said, the solemnity of divine love. It's same, it would be saying the same thing. Yeah. Be the same thing. Yeah. Right? And again, I have no idea how it will be preached upon in, you know, in different parishes, but people will say, well, where is God? Where is God? You know, you people talk about God and look at this world and all this stuff and there's evil, there's crazy people and suffering. Yeah, yeah, because people choose not to love. Yeah, of course, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on, right? Because people choose to do something other than love each other or will their good. But everywhere, every place there is an act of love, true Christian self-sacrificing love, that is pointing to the life of God. It gives a hint to who God is and where he's present, right in front of your face, yeah. <laughs> right here. <laughs> you could begin to see his presence. Right? Yeah. No, it's interesting, Excellency, because that, that fishing line um, mm-hmm. uh, image that you had, because, you know, often, at least for me, I'll pray, you know, thank you, Father, for giving me life, and thank you, Jesus, for rescuing my life, but... It occurs to me, the Holy Spirit is the Lord, the giver of life. Correct. Correct. Right. Right. But remember, the Spirit is given by both Father and Son. And proceeds from both of them. Yeah. Right. Like the yeah. fishing line. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, they're both reeling it up. Because it's, that, it's, it's who they are. It's part of the divine life, the Holy Spirit. Again, it's a concept that is extraordinarily hard to explain in words. But you don't have to. That's the beautiful thing. Who said we had to explain everything perfectly? We can't. <laughs> yeah. Right? And nor should we want to. But it's the mystery of it. It's the mystery of it. Right? Um, which then leads to the last feast, which is Corpus Christi. Right? The sacred body and blood of the Lord. Which, again, we celebrate on a Sunday. But again, that feast is the food that nurtures the journey that the Spirit is the promise of and the, the divine grace to bring us to glory. Now, there are many Christians who do not belong to our church, who do not have the Eucharist. And many of them are very faithful, very devout, who do service that many of them would embarrass me for the amount of service I do not provide, and they do. But we as Catholics have a great gift that we take, we take for granted. Yes. That we're able to receive the body and blood, soul, and divinity of the same Lord who rose from the dead, the same Lord who sent the Holy Spirit, the same Lord who's sending the line down, right, to bring us to our seat in glory. He's right there for us to digest, literally. And it's sad, it's extremely sad. It's sad for those who have never learned the true mystery, and that's what the Eucharistic revival is about. They haven't learned what it means cognitively, they haven't experienced it affectively, it hasn't moved their hearts, and even when they come to pray, 
where they come to pray, and many times they're not prepared to go to Mass. They don't offer Thanksgiving when Mass is over. It's just almost like a, a, a routine act. And, and I'm not saying this to judge. I'm saying this to challenge everyone, myself included. That's why that feast. That feast's origin is, as we've said before in past years, it's, it's a time when people did not feel worthy to receive Holy Communion. So at least they could have spiritual communion and glimpse the Lord. But, but in the 21st century, bringing the Eucharist out into the, into the neighborhood is an act of evangelization. It's an act where we just quietly and simply pay testimony to the heart of our faith, who is the Lord himself, under the form of the accidents of bread and wine. Do you, do you know if we're going to have any um, Corpus Christi processions here in the diocese? Oh, a lot, of, a lot of the parishes are going to have them. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, in fact, one of the parishes in Bridgeport, St. Mary's, is not only going to have a procession, but they have the ancient custom of where outside in front of their church, they lay out flower petals and they make murals and designs. Oh, wow. Right? Yeah, which is beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And there's many customs around the world, right? Yeah. And I would encourage everyone who's, who's listening to me to sp- specifically, specifically have a procession of Corpus Christi. You know, with the proper permissions and all, but to go out into the streets. Yeah. Right? Because the secular world has no problems coming into our homes, right? Or invading our sacred spaces with their ideologies and their thoughts. Yeah. And, and it is a free society, and we have to counter it with our own because, quite frankly, what we're holding is the truth. <laughs> yes. I mean, I'm not apologetic. I don't yes. in any way, shape, or form. I'm a Catholic. I'm proud of it and what we believe in. So why should I not go on the street? Yeah, yeah. Especially now, with so, such a lack of belief, even among Catholics, as you said, in mm-hmm. the real presence of the Eucharist. And if we believe that the Lord, and we do, when he, in his earthly ministry, walked the streets and encountered ordinary people and preached his kerygma of salvation, and converted hearts on the spot. Why can't the Eucharistic Lord, being carried through the streets, in moments of grace, move people to conversion in ways we would never know, in ways we should never know, but it's our obligation to make him available so that those opportunities can happen. Is that not the same thing in some way? An analogy? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Awesome, what a great month. Oh, it's tremendous. All Absolutely that's, tremendous. All that stuff eclipses the NBA playoffs by a lot. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Let's take our first break, Excellency. This is Let Me Be Frank with Bishop Frank Caggiano on the Veritas Catholic Network. We will be right back.
If you're concerned about your end-of-life plans, searching for a Catholic cemetery, or have loved ones who are buried in one of the 14 Catholic cemeteries throughout Fairfield County, now might be a good time to begin planning for yourself or for other family members. Call one of our family advisors at 203-742-1450 and select option 5 to leave a message or visit www.ctcemeteries.org. Many people don't realize that they can be buried with their deceased loved ones, even if all of the family's in-ground plots have been taken. The Diocese of Bridgeport Catholic Cemeteries provides in-ground burials, as well as columbarium and mausoleum options. This makes it possible to unite your family together in the same cemetery, and it's an opportunity to build a bridge for your family back to the church. Talking about this issue is not easy, but pre-need planning makes your wishes clear, reduces cost, and helps your family avoid difficult decisions at a time of grief and loss. You can start your planning now by contacting one of our family advisors at 203-742-1450 and select option 5 or visit www.ctcemeteries.org. We can guide you through the options, regulations, and considerations to help you make the best decisions for your family. The number is 203-742-1450 and select option 5 or visit www.ctcemeteries.org. Welcome back to Let Me Be Frank on the Veritas Catholic Network. Excellency, so I, this is, uh, I don't know, it, but in, in the news last week, we saw that Queen Elizabeth had her, yes. uh, her big yes. jubilee. And 70 years, Platinum Jubilee. She's the amazing? second, I think she is now the third, she's the longest reigning woman monarch in the history of humanity. And I believe she is either the third or second longest reigning monarch in the history of humanity. And I think she would have to live four or five more years to be the longest reigning monarch ever in recorded history. Wow. But you know what? I, I know. Who am I? I'm, I'm an American. I'm not, I'm not British. Certainly not at all. But I do think there is something extraordinarily admirable and fascinating um, when you consider the life of Elizabeth. Because many people may not realize this, but um, she is the head of the Church of England, right? And um, she also, at her coronation, um, there is an anointing. There is a, a sense that this is a sacred duty, right? that you are the monarch um, by God's providence to be the protector of a portion of his people. And in the Church of England, to also be the protector of his church, right, as it is constituted in, the, uh, in, in Protestant England. And, you know, there's much controversy about all public figures. But the truth of the matter is, she has persevered with great personal integrity for 70 years. And, and I think she has a great affection among her people, not because they necessarily, you know, like particularly the younger, you know, value all those particular traditions 
and you know certainly she's a very wealthy woman with the jewels but most of that is more national patrimony than it is personal property but but the point is there is something quite inspiring to see someone grow so old and yet determined to persevere in a very religious sense you remember john paul Mm-hmm. And at the end of his life, yes. he knew this was a divine call. And he felt in his heart this was for his whole natural life. And at the end, it was almost um, heart-wrenching to see St. John Paul really suffer as much as he did. And he did. right? And the suffering, quite frankly, as I recall it, was not the physical suffering. It was the suffering of un- being unable to respond, unable to, 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 to move around, right? at the end, unable to speak really in any way that you could understand. Now, for a man who was a philosopher, uh, I mean, artistically trained, was one of the great communicators of the 20th century, who enamored, what, I don't know, seven, eight million people in Manila, whatever it was. Yes. To be able to be confined to a wheelchair and unable to speak, you talk, but you see, but there's a dignity, there's a beauty to that. So in some sense, you know, I, I wish Elizabeth every blessing, right? I mean, but to see her at this point and still persevere, there is something very um, noble about yes. that. Wouldn't you agree? I agree. So I'm not very much of a royals watcher, um, so I don't know a lot about her. But I, but what, when you see her, she carries herself with a grace, mm-hmm. as you said, a, a dignity, excellency, and um, there's something. You know, I feel like society today is so lacking in basic manners. Well, but she, that's politely put. <laughs> <laughs> but she really seems to embody, you know, traditional, just like polite manners. <laughs> yes, etiquette. etiquette. Yes, yes. Etiquette. You see, the, it raises an interesting question in my own mind as a bishop. Okay, so let's do group therapy, whoever's listening. <laughs> we'll, we could all chime in. Oh, boy. And the group therapy rests with this question. How is... What, at what point does accessible become too accessible? Hmm. Common become commonplace. What's the line that you should not cross between being one of the people but losing your ability to inspire? I think in the end, that's something that society has never dealt with and many figures and leaders have not dealt with. And quite frankly, I sometimes struggle with it as well. So, for example, you speak of Elizabeth and the much older generation where every part of their life was scripted. And there was a great distance. So there was a great loss. But on the other hand, for those who had access, it it was an event they never forgot. Hmm. So... The distance was meant to create that sense of a transcendence that would then inform the ordinary and then be a moment of reflection. Right? The same was, was true with the Pope. Right? 
John Paul, for example, very much embodied the traditions of the church and the traditions of the papacy. I mean, he sat with young people. He was accessible and communicated. He, right, he didn't come across as a man who was prideful, but you knew he was the pope. Yeah. And not only did you know he was the pope, but in the way he dressed and the way he conducted himself and, um, and, and using those traditions that had been for, for long in the making, there was, there was a distance. Okay? Now, the question is, in the tw- like in this year, as we, what's the line? Right? And that's a question I'm not exactly sure how always to answer correctly. Yeah. Even for people who aren't the queen or the pope, uh, for all of us, I mean, social mm-hmm. media seems to have just taken away all of the veils and of privacy and decorum even right 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 but as a bishop or as a as a bishop too for myself personally i've always prided myself in being accessible mm-hmm. i've always prided myself in being very um in, in trying to live a lifestyle personally that is authentic to my upbringing that is why I have no cook, I have no driver, I have no housekeeper, I have none of those. I didn't have them growing up, I do not need them now. I do that for my own spiritual good. It's not to impress anyone, no one has to see where I live in Stanford. It's not, right? there's just my, the safeguards I need spiritually to make sure that I go one day with God's grace to find my place in heaven, that they will give me a place in heaven. Right? But having said all that, there, there is, uh, a man just recently said to me when I was at a gathering that I was at a school and a second grader was so excited when she got home because I had gone to celebrate mass and she was so excited that she saw the Pope <laughs> <laughs> at school. <laughs> and he said, the Pope? Yes, he wore a big hat. Was, oh, that's <laughs> so cute. <laughs> it is. But then it makes you think, um, but then the, there is the office that I have that is bigger than me, that could be occupied by different personalities and different types. So there is a dignity that comes with the office that I should never be in the position or never ever um, denigrate, if that makes sense, or, or, or to minimize or to, or to take for granted or, yes. right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think because there is a um, just like that second grade girl, there is a thrill in meeting the bishop or the president or, or the cardinal or the pope or yes. the whoever it is. Yes. Right. Right. Um, yeah, I imagine it's got to be it's got to be constant work to make sure that you you remember who you are. I guess. <laughs> But also to, 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 to remember that you're a role model. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if you, if, you, if you dress in regal garments and have, I'm being poetic, and you come in with the chariot and charioteers, <laughs> right, and people are 100 feet away, and you live a, a, a desolate light, or you, you live a life that's immoral, or you live a life that is just a mess, 
then you're using that sense of transcendence for all the wrong reasons. And yeah. forgive me, but you know, some of our most popular athletes and movie stars and I mean, just uh, they're walking disasters. Yeah. Yep. But there is that sense. I mean, you meet some of these people. It's like, whoa! It's, <laughs> right. like, it's like meeting royalty, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but for all the wrong, wrong messages. Not, not all of them, but some of them. It's all the wrong messages. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I think Elizabeth's platinum celebration is a moment of her own personal, you know, congratulations. But it's also, I think, for me, it has, it has continued to evolve in my mind as to... How does a public figure, like myself as a bishop, both be accessible and be yourself and, and be a pastor in the trenches, but also have an office that has a life of its own, and I'm going to say it's a dignity and a respect that the occupant should never um, do anything other than, for lack of a better word, other than manifest in an authentic way. And that's something that I think everybody in public life, whether it's religious or civil, really needs to think about. I think Elizabeth has done it well. Yeah. She's done it well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it certainly, certainly looks like it. And it's been a long time that she's been in the public eye. And uh, yeah, it's uh -huh. remarkable, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So what are you doing Father's Day? Oh, uh... I have no idea. <laughs> How about you, Excellency? Well, um, I'm in the diocese. We have a whole ton of stuff to do. Yeah. We have the gala for the Reed Dentoris Mater Seminary coming up. Oh, nice. And we're, we're honoring Archbishop Christoph Pierre, who's the Apostolic Nuncio. Yes. He's coming up from Washington. So I'm going to pick him up at the railway station. We're going to go to the gala. He's going to stay overnight. Cool. And then I'll take him back to the... Um, to the railroad station. So, uh, like everything else, my, the Father's Day celebration will be Monday. Okay. <laughs> yeah, when I go back to, to the homestead, you know, yeah. where, uh, at my sister's, and we'll celebrate it then. Oh. Yeah. Actually, actually, the kids, it's funny, my great niece and great nephew, we, we, we already have arranged, I know what I'm getting. Because I already bought it and sent it. <laughs> so, they, so they can wrap it up and we're ready to go. <laughs> Should I ask or do you want to keep it a... Um, oh, a I can tell you. It's surprise. two pairs of shoes. It's two pairs of shoes and two pairs of pants. Everybody gets a pair, a pair of pants and, shirt, and shoes. Awesome. Because the ones I'm wearing now are long past their useful life. <laughs> so... Well, and so, and so Father's Day is probably just the beginning of... I mean, you... It... Uh, I'm always amazed because, or at least the past couple summers that I've since I've known you, uh, you don't take time off. <laughs> no. What, what does this summer no. look do like? Do you for take you? time off being a father? No, uh, no, I do not. Uh, <laughs> <that's your> answer. <laughs> but we go on vacation. Yeah. True. Yeah. So there's the difference. Okay. Uh, I am who I am. My resp my responsibilities are part of the fabric of my life, and I like what I do. So in the end, I see no tremendous need to yeah. say, ooh, I'm not going to answer an email for a week. Why? Right. I mean, are you taking... What? Am I going anywhere? The answer yes. is no. Okay. No. No. We're going to Brooklyn, like I do every year. And I'm going to spend time at the apartment, 
see friends, visit, my, visit the kids, visit my sister. What, what's different for me in the summer is that the pace of life changes. Mm-hmm. Because I lead a very frenetic schedule. Mm. And I'm used to it. But in the summer, it's less so. And that is what is my period of recreation. Yeah. But I would be a liar if I said to you, I return from vacation, quote unquote, and there's a thousand emails waiting for you. There are no emails waiting yeah. for me. Yeah. They're already all done. Yeah. <laughs> and there may be some psychiatrist who's listening to saying, this guy is out of his <laughs> mind. <laughs> could be. But I just can't do it. Yeah. And, and, actually- and I wouldn't want to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm actually the same way and it drives Rula nuts, but I, I will check work emails and, and do stuff a little bit here and there, even when, when we go away on vacation. Oh, really? So, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's probably well, not. You see, a, the difference is, though, see, but the difference is this. The difference is you as a father and as a husband, you go away on vacation with your family. So you have those responsibilities, yeah, right? right? When 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 the family comes up to Connecticut, I'm kind of mindful of that, too. But then for the period of days when I'm in just in Brooklyn at the apartment, then it really is just me. So I just kind of like go with the flow. And then I usually do the heavy duty spring cleaning in summer. Hmm. Okay. So, for example, in the two bedrooms that are in the apartment, the draperies that are there, my mother every year would take them down, wash them iron them by hand, and put them back up. So in the 11 years since mom has gone to the Lord, guess who does that? Yours truly. <laughs> and I don't apologize for it. I yeah. love it. <laughs> yeah. Because it's just, it's, it's not mindless, but it's, and then it looks great. Yeah. And I, it just, and you feel great, and it's like, I don't want to go to Honolulu. I'm very happy here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You, and... Uh, was it last summer that there was a general assembly over the summer? Oh, I don't remember. I blocked those things out. <laughs> At least you don't have one this year, so. <laughs> no, no, this year is, no, this year is, no, I'm going to Africa. Yeah, for CRS. Wow, okay. I'm going to Ghana. Yeah, we're going oh. to the continental meeting of the Catholic bishops. Myself and I believe Sean Callahan and a few others from CRS. Yeah, mm-hmm. at the end of Ju- at the end of July, and I'm going through my vaccinations. Oh my gosh, amazing! Yellow fever, meningitis, hepatitis A, hepatitis B, rabies, all the stuff you have to be vaccinated for. Wow, that's going to yeah. be incredible, though. Oh, we're going to have at least a few podcasts to talk about that. Absolutely. Yeah. Have you ever been to Africa before, Excellency? Just North Africa, Tunisia. Okay. Uh, in Tunis, but this is Sub-Sahara Africa, and it is going to be, for me, it is going to be an absolute education, and I am very much looking forward to it. I am. Awesome. Um, yeah, so that's, so, that's on, so that's not vacation, but that will be, that's a mission. And, and so did you say that you're going to meet with African bishops there as well? All the bishops, all the Catholic bishops of Africa meet and they're in there, I guess it's an annual meeting, perhaps. Yeah. And I'm going as the chair of Catholic Relief Services uh, with, with Sean Callahan, who's really the, the, the director, and he really runs CRS. Yes. And, um, and just to be present to them and to meet with them. 
Mm-hmm. So, do you? Uh, I'm sure you've met some of them before because in gatherings. Yeah. But do you know any? Do you feel like you you not buddies, but I mean, are you buddies with anyone? No, I've met. I've met just no. I mean, I've met just a few. I've met more of the Indian bishops. Okay. In part because we have more Indian priests here who are helping us and doing a phenomenal job. No, but this is, as I said, it's going to be an education on many different levels for me. So can I, we only have like five minutes left, Excellency, in this segment, but uh-huh. the, um, Indian bishops, I was just reading about this, uh, this Archbishop Anthony Pula, I think, from India, mm-hmm. and he is, uh, he was, he's, what I, little I, I read, he was born into, you know, the, the caste system in India mm-hmm. is very strict, segregated, and, and the lower caste, the untouchables, are frankly not treated well at all. But he was born into one of the lower castes and then was ordained a priest, I forget, a long time ago, and kind of rose up and became a, a bishop. And now he's going to get a red hat in mm-hmm. August. What a mm-hmm. story! <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's tremendous. Yeah, it's tremendous. Yeah, the Holy Father has really expanded the college dramatically now, internationalized it dramatically. And um, with, I think, 131 voters now, or 132, or by the end of the year, there'll be 126 or 27. I don't think we're going to see a consistory for a few more, few more years. I don't okay. think there'll be one mm-hmm. for a while. And the Holy Father will turn 86 in December. Wow. Wow. So there's a lot of speculation if this was the last one he's going to do. But who knows what God has planned? Right. Only God knows, right? Yes, mm-hmm. yes. I've done more and more when there's stuff that I don't understand happening mm-hmm. uh, in the church mm-hmm. and in Washington, D.C. More and more I've been following your advice, Excellency, which is uh, just you know, love your family, deepen your own faith, pray. What's outside the scope of my influence can only cause me frustration. Um, right. And, 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 and it's energy that perhaps out of curiosity one will want some answers. But in the end of time, I mean, is it going to make any difference? Yeah. If I have some of my questions don't get answered, maybe they shouldn't be answered. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing, right, too, true. if I may, is what I may is even in your life and mine, I'll speak of mine, right, in my life, things that I have done things I have not done that I thought was for a purpose and only with the passage of time did I realize it may have had another purpose or another consequence I never imagined. And maybe that was the reason I did it in the first place because God could imagine it. Yeah, right. Yep. So, so in the end, we really some of the stuff we see, we, we do not know why, but, but we will, may, we will maybe in time, know better why certain things happen in any aspect of life. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right. Just on the uh, subject of cardinals and the new cardinals, mm-hmm. and, I, and there's been a lot of, of talk, as, as you alluded to as well, Excellency, that uh, Pope Francis is expanding the regions where cardinals are coming from and choosing sometimes non-traditional, uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, small t traditional. Um, I guess uh, one issue that I have, Excellency, um, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I just feel like 
if that's the case, you know, well, mm-hmm. maybe maybe Bridgeport should have gotten a red hat. <laughs> wrong. <laughs> Very wrong. And you have to stop drinking when you come to this, to this taping. Okay? <laughs> no, oh, I, in the end, to, to, to be given the honor of a cardinal, to become a cardinal, has one of two possible origins and functions. Right? The first is it's a sign of communion with the church, with the Church of Rome. Another is a personal honor given to someone for whatever reason. So everyone above the age of 80 becomes a cardinal. It's a personal honor. You can't vote, but it's a recognition of life. And sometimes it can be a mixture of both. So we don't really fully understand the, the rationale and the reasoning that goes on in Rome that all funnels up to the Holy Father when he makes his decisions. Because yeah. at times it could be the communion aspect, emphasis, it could be the personal honor, it could be a little bit of both, and we don't have all the information anyway. Yes. Right? So the bottom line is, we should just rejoice with the fact that there are new cardinals and pray for them because of their role in the church, and that's it. Move on. <laughs> yes. Worry about what you, you have some control over and mm-hmm. don't worry about the rest. No, because it's, it's above my pay grade. Yes. Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, so on that note, uh, let's take our final break. And this is Let Me Be Frank with Bishop Frank Caggiano on the Veritas Catholic Network. We'll be right back uh, after the break with a listener question. Hey. It's Matt from Restless on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. Each week on Restless, we young adults restlessly seek the face of Christ in today's crazy and mixed up world. Join us each Friday at noon on 1350 AM, 103.9 FM, the Veritas app, or wherever you get your shows. Hope to see you there. Welcome back to Let Me Be Frank with Bishop Frank Caggiano. Um, Excellency, let me just get right to the question this week. Um, mm-hmm. It says, Bishop Frank, please help me stop hating people who commit evil, like Vladimir Putin and the school shooters. Ooh, that's a very excellent question. And it's, it's a multi-layered question because we have to first define our terms and when we say hate, yeah. first of all, it's a, it's a, a, a very dark and onerous word and therefore we have to be able to begin by saying that how you feel towards someone and how you act towards someone are not the same thing so if you are if there's a part of you that's revolted by you know a mass shooter or uh, mr putin or people who have done like uh, an adolf hitler those strong negative feelings are both natural and justified. But that's not hatred. Hatred is the determined acts to will them their harm. That's hatred. And that is not what a Christian does in response to evil because that perpetuates evil. 
We have to love those individuals. And what does that mean? You don't have to like them. It doesn't have to warm your heart. You could have revolted feelings, but you will always, if the opportunity provides, is to will their good, which in these cases could be first to stop them from harming others and themselves, challenge them, correct them, and punish them if it's necessary. That's all love. That's all willing their good. But to purposely will their, their ill, that is not permitted. So I'm not sure the person actually hates in that sense, right? Yes. So then, then uh, presuming that the the emailer does not is not in a position where they could actually harm Putin or the school shooters, and presuming that they mean their feelings, are there mm-hmm. things that this that we can do to you know lessen our our, our feelings? Uh, lessen our feelings that I'm not sure, but to will their good, pray for their conversion. Pray for Putin's conversion. He is going to stand before God. Whether he believes in a God or not is irrelevant. He will stand before God. And then what happens? Pray for his conversion, that he sees the light before it's too late. That's the proper response to those deep-seated, you know, feelings of, of revulsion, and they should be from what's going on. Yes. Right? I've I've also found that, um, it, to your point, Excellency, w- when I've had people that I had negative feelings about, I have mm-hmm. prayed for them, and it actually makes me not have those negative feelings as much. Yeah, could very well be. Yeah, absolutely, could very well be. And there are some people more emotional than others. Some people feel more deeply than others, right? Yeah. But the feelings are not... And not relevant. Yes. It's what you do with them, how you act. That's relevant. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if you have a question for Bishop Frank, you can send it in on uh, social media, or you can email questions at veritascatholic.com. Bishop Frank Caggiano is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So is Veritas Catholic Network. And a big thank you to Foundations in Faith. A grant from grant from the St. Therese Fund for Evangelization makes it possible for us to bring Let Me Be Frank to you. Foundations in Faith is committed to supporting and transforming pastoral ministries in the Diocese of Bridgeport, and you can learn more about their outstanding work at foundationsinfaith.org. Excellency, before we go, would you please give us your blessing? Yes, I'd be happy to. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for your gift of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for giving us the grace to be faithful to you each day. Forgive our faults and failings and continue to bless the work we do and the people we love. And we ask this as we ask all things in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right, Steve, next week, same time, same place. Thanks, Excellency. See ya. All the best to you. God bless. God bless.